Praise the Lord. What, a, what an awesome Lord we have, amen? amen? What he's done for us. This morning we're going we're gonna to talk about being prepared for the bridegroom. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's start out with prayer. Father, we just thank you for your goodness to us. Jesus, we honor you. Jesus, we exalt your name. Jesus, we adore you. What we just heard, we didn't appreciate you at first, but Lord, we appreciate you now. And we thank you. And Lord, this morning, open our hearts to hear your word. I pray that you would give a revelation of the greatness, of the depth of your love for us. And that our eyes would be fixed on you and the hope that you've given us the future that you have in store for us. Lord, speak to our hearts this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I was uh, praying a, a couple weeks ago, and I felt like the Lord was saying this. It's true. The shadows are lengthening. The day is drawing to a close. The time that we have before Jesus is coming back, is getting shorter and shorter. And uh, it's true. Right now, it's, the, it's just about the end of 2018. I'm thinking, didn't we just start 2018? Like a, a few weeks ago or something? Uh, in fact, didn't we just start the 21st century? But that was almost, now we're almost a fifth of the way through it. Um, you know, Jesus said in the book of Revelation, Behold, I am coming soon. That was almost 2,000 years ago that he said he was coming soon. So it's sooner now. Um, these four beautiful children, these babies that we have, they're all in college and high school now. And, uh, you know, Many of you guys have gray hair, so do I. In fact, I have no hair. <laughs> I've had no hair for a long time. I can't remember when I used to comb my hair and stuff like that. You know, time is moving on. You know, besides, uh, besides the passing of time, uh, we see biblical signs that the end of the age is nearing. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 24, uh, there will be earthquakes, wars, and rumors of war. Those are the birth pains, right? We've been seeing those things for a long time. Um, we see Christians hated by all nations because of our love for Christ. There's an increase of wickedness that Jesus said would happen. We see it in our society. The love of many has grown cold. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, it says many are going, will go here and there. We see that it's very easy to travel all over the place now. And knowledge has increased. It's at our fingertips. Everything we want to know and a lot of things we don't want to know. Uh, and so, it's true. Jesus is coming soon. Uh, in John chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus said, as long as it is day, we must do the works 
of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. You know, the thought that our time here is getting shorter and coming to a close, uh, sometimes it can bring us uh, emotions, sadness, uh, anxiety, regret. Uh, it's kind of like when you were a kid and you were playing maybe in the swimming pool or some fun place, and mom says, five more minutes, just five more minutes, and then we're going to leave. You know, it's kind of like that. Or when you're watching one of those cooking shows on TV, one of those contests, and one of the contestants is, is uh, trying to rush to decorate the cake at the end, and then the host starts counting down. Ten seconds left. Nine, eight, seven, six. Uh, you know, think, thinking about the time growing shorter, uh, sometimes gives, uh, we don't feel so good about it. Um, but for us, we are God's people. For those of us who are God's people, that night that's coming is going to be a glorious one. It's the wedding feast of the Lamb. Amen? And that should make us excited. We should be consumed by looking forward to that. Our bridegroom is coming. Amen? In Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 9, it's recorded, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. It's kind of an interesting, when, when an angel <laughs> says, these are the true words of God, you know, because it's an angel, obviously it is. But I think he wants to emphasize, hey, listen to what I'm saying. You know, Jesus said that too. It was recorded all through the book of John. I am telling you the truth. And uh, because he wants us he wants us to get into our heart. This is true. Why, why do you think he says that? Because we are surrounded by a world that's kind of like trying to grab our attention. There's a motive, a satanic motivation behind it to try to uh, take away our awareness of this truth that Jesus is coming back soon and uh, to try to get us off track, try to cause the bride of Christ to not prepare like we need to, like we ought to, like he wants us to. In Revelation 21, verses 1 to 4, he writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared 
as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. You might think, well, God is with us all the time now. Yes, amen, and we need to be aware of that. But it's going to be different. I mean, we are going to be dwelling with him. Think of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Maybe even better than that. Uh, he is going to be with us. He's taking us into his home. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. Hallelujah. Or mourning, praise the Lord, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Are you ready for the old order of things to pass away? Amen. Do you ever get frustrated with the order of things? We talk about the new world order, uh, the way things work here on earth in society, so corrupt, so um, influenced by sin, so broken, so unjust, and, and every other bad thing that we, we look at, we complain about, and we uh, get discouraged about, or even fearful of. Those things are all certainly going to pass away. What an awesome future is coming for God's people, his bride, and that's us. But the question is, how should a bride prepare to be wed to her husband? How should we prepare? Because it talks about a, a prepared bride, right? And, uh, you know, think about when people get engaged. There's a lot of preparation for the wedding, and especially on the bride's side. We grooms were just ready to get married, right? But, uh, so, well, I would say, first of all, the most important thing is to be pure and faithful to him. You know, at Christmas, we think about the story of Mary and Joseph. And do you remember Joseph, when he is, as yet did not understand that Mary was with child by the Holy Spirit, when he discovered that um, she was pregnant, uh, he was ready to end their betrothal, which I think was a more serious commitment than a lot of times what we say engagement was, because it says he was ready to divorce her quietly uh, because it appeared that she had not been faithful. That's, that's a serious thing. Faithful purity before marriage plays a key role in a couple's successful life together. And, uh, but I'll tell you the truth. When we think, about, we think about that, being faithful and pure as a, as a bride preparing to be united with Christ, um, and any honest person will realize we have not been completely pure and faithful to Christ. True? That's why the gospel is good news for us. If we look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Paul writes about the way things were and the way things are. Kind of in this, we've got the two messages from the Bible. We've got law and we've got gospel, and both are necessary messages for us to hear. 
Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's the truth. That's the law. And such were some of you. Not exactly sure why it says some instead of all. But, I remember Daryl's sermon about big butts <laughs> a few years ago. This is a big butt and, a <clears throat> and important, however, I should say. Um, <clears throat> but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. That means all of that stuff was taken away. All of that that disqualified you and me was taken away from us, washed clean from us. Really, we were made new. That was put to death and we were brought back to life, new and clean and righteous and holy and pure by the blood of Jesus. I'll read it again. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. It's his work. This is what it means in Revelation 19.8 that we just read uh, that, that said, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. This is the situation. Our bridegroom has made us pure. Amen? Amen. It's he who's done it for us because he loved us, because he saw something about us that he wanted, because he, we were his children, because we were the one that he made. And he wanted us, he did not want to lose us, and so he himself, by his sacrifice, made us pure. You see, grace makes us pure and empowers us to live faithfully. It, it does both of those things. I have some questions. I want you to think about it. Have you accepted his grace? Have you, by repentance, faith, and baptism, exchanged your unrighteousness for his purity? And do you continue to daily walk in that grace so that you may live your life faithfully for him in this world? You remember the parable Jesus told about the ten virgins coming to meet the bridegroom. And he said five were wise and five were foolish. And the, the wise ones brought extra oil for their lamps and the foolish ones didn't. They only had the oil that was in their lamps. And, uh, and I think, and then the bridegroom came. Some of them weren't ready. Their lamps were going out and they didn't make it. And I think the what Jesus was saying was, be ready, be ready. Uh, I'm coming at a time that you do not know. And, you know, I was talking to Stephen the other day about what, what does the oil represent? And I think the oil represents uh, that ongoing relationship with him, walking with him, uh, walking in his grace, receiving his grace. When we sin, 
repenting and coming to him, right? Walking in that daily relationship with him. Um, you know, traditionally, when I preach in December, I've preached about a Christmas carol. And uh, I wasn't going to do that this time because it felt, felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about this topic. And, uh, but then I was thinking the other day, and I realized uh, that this is the message of a carol that we sing as much as any other carol in our church services in December. And it's the one that started off the medley after Mrs. Greasy's uh, Advent song. Uh, oh, come, all ye faithful. And I'm going to sing it, and you can join me, but I'm going to ask Kathy to start me off on the right note so we don't get up way up here or way down here. Come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Wow, you sound beautiful this morning. I don't know if I've ever heard it standing in the middle up here like this. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's the meaning, right? You know, we are not going on a pilgrimage to Bethlehem. But that's not what we're singing about. We're, we're thinking about to him where he is now, right? And that we are coming to him. More importantly, he is coming to us. He will be coming to us soon. And I think the, the two words in that uh, that are most meaningful is adore, right? And behold. Come and behold him. Um, you know, talking about the Bride of Christ, Pastor Nick, uh, it's in my mind that he often said uh, it took some getting used to for him as a man to be called the Bride of Christ, right? And, uh, but, uh, you know, Peter in his first epistle gives us advice. You know, if we're talking about how should we prepare as the Bride of Christ for his return? And he Peter gives advice about human wives, uh, about how to win over and to be beautiful for their human husbands. And we can apply, I think, some of these principles uh, to our coming eternal union with Jesus Christ. So 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, he writes, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, 
such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet, quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. And so looking at that, the, the things that uh, cause Jesus, that Jesus sees as beautiful, that Jesus sees as valuable in us, a gentle and quiet spirit. And I think the other, the other key word for us here, key, key concept, is to submit ourselves in obedience to Christ as Lord. Not just Savior, but Lord. We talk a lot about Savior. In fact, when I was in college, I led a Bible study in my senior year. And I had to be gone one week for our Bible study, and my assistant leader led. And, uh, I came back after the class thing that I had to do, and I said, well, what did you guys do in Bible study tonight? He said, oh, we had a discussion uh, whether you could just have Jesus as Savior or if you had to have him as Lord as well. I said, well, well what did you come out with? And I said, well, that it's just necessary for him to be Savior. I was like, oh, <laughs> how can that be? Because it's who he is. He is Lord. That's who he is. He saved us, yes, and, and he loves us, and that's extremely important for us. But you can't separate him from being the Lord. He is Christ the Lord. That's who he is. And so uh, what he sees as beautiful in us is obedience. It's not because he's got a huge ego. It's just because he loves us and he knows that that's what's best for us. When we get off track of that, we run into trouble. And he loves us. He wants uh, everything good for us. And so submission to him as Lord in obedience. Do not give way to fear. Do you notice that fear can be a root of all kinds of bad things that we do to one another and to God and to disobedience to God and what he wants us to do? Because out of fear, a lot of times we take something back and say, I've got to be in control of this because I'm afraid that God is not going to, I don't know, somehow he's not going to come through for me. Or, you know, fear of some anxiety causes us uh, to, to sin a lot of times. But he compares, uh, Peter compared us to Sarah. You know, she it says she obeyed Abraham, Abram. And think about what Abram asked her to do because Abram was obeying God. God said, go to the place I'll show you. Leave your family, everything you have, everything you know, and go to a foreign land, place you don't own any property, and do what I'll show you. They got there, right? Later on, they had to go to Egypt. Abram said, 
tell them you're my sister, <laughs> right? <laughs> Twice, I think she got taken into a king's house to be the king's wife. And yet, through all of that, it says that she obeyed. And it came out all right, didn't it? It, it came out all right. And that's the example for wives and their husbands, which is another message about marriage. But, uh, but we can compare it to our relationship with Jesus as our Lord. Um, you know, that gentle and quiet spirit, that comes through the Holy Spirit. It's what he works in us. His fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, praise God, gentleness, and self-control. Those are things that he works in us. Um, so, when he, when we talk about preparing for Jesus, this is something that he is working in us. It's by grace. I'm not talking about turning over to works for your salvation. It's, it's a function of him, the Holy Spirit in our life, and the grace of God at work. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and 14 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Okay, we live in a world where we are tempted to be unfaithful all the time. But he said, he's saying, it's not too big for you because I'm in you. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, notice it says when, he also will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Whatever temptation you're facing today, whether it's temptation to, to sin in one way or another, temptation to fear, temptation to, uh, to be drawn to the things of the world rather than the things of God, he says you've got the power, the way out, to endure it and be faithful. Verse 14 says, Therefore, my friends, flee from idolatry. So there's an action that's said that, prescribed there. Flee from idolatry, which also we could call uh, unfaithfulness or spiritual adultery. Now, the Song of Solomon is very much about the relationship between human husbands and wives, I believe. Uh, but a lot of people have compared it also to Christ's relationship with the church, and that's true. We can take that from it, uh, his bride. And if we do that, it's very clear about Jesus' feelings for his redeemed and sanctified people. That would be you and me. He says, you have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride, you have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. Wow, isn't that amazing? Do you see yourself that way? I mean, see, that's, that's the thing. Uh, I, I think about what, what causes me to want to be faithful to Kathy. Well, there's the fear of God, of course, and there's things like that. But 
but the, a real motivating factor is just when I am enamored with her and who she is, I'm not thinking about anybody else. I'm not attracted to anybody else. You know what I'm saying? Do you understand how God feels about you? Because that's a very important thing here, to believe the truth, to understand the truth. Because like I said, the world will try to feed us other messages. There is a devil, and he has a purpose. His, his goal is to kill and steal and destroy our relationship with God. The Lord is passionate about his relationship with us. He wants us to grow more deeply in love with him as we live out our days in this life. I think about when Kathy and I were engaged and uh, during that time we spent just about all of our time outside of sleeping time and when we're at work, the rest of our time we spent just about all of it together. And uh, I went over to their house for dinner every night pretty much. Thanks mom. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, we, we talked about the future. We made plans for our wedding. We made plans for our future home together. Those of you who are married, you probably identify with these kind of things. Uh, we, uh, we did all those things together. But you know, most importantly, we, sp we just spent a lot of time <coughs> adoring each other. And uh, because that's what people in love do, right? They, it's a priority. They, they're willing to push aside as other stuff and adore each other. We were both singularly focused on each other. Uh, I remember I painted pictures for her, gave her as gifts, and she was, she was compiling a book. She was writing down stuff every day in a book. I didn't know it. She gave it to me a, uh, as a wedding present, you know, writing poems and things like that, just like really romantic stuff. And uh, you know what? Similarly, the Lord wants our eyes to be fixed captivatedly on him. He feels that way about us. He wants us to be getting to know him more and more. So Hebrews chapter 10, there are invitations throughout the Bible for this. One is in Hebrews 10, starting at verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, that's Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. That's an invitation to draw near that because with him there is forgiveness. You know, even though, like I said, we day, day to day we mess up, right? And honestly, we, we are not always faithful. Um, but there is forgiveness. He's saying, and it's like that in any human marriage relationship, like we need to be able to draw be able to come to that person and say, you know what, I messed up. Would you please forgive me? You know, do we, we need to do that in marriage, in relationships, friendships. Um, 
and we and know that the other person is going to forgive us. And in Jesus' case, it's because of what he done, did for us that he wipes that sin away. And he accepts us and receives us. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Amen? One of the things about when you are engaged or getting to know the person that you'll eventually marry uh, is developing that trust. You know, I think one of the greatest things about Kathy's and my marriage is that we trust each other. You know, I, I have full confidence in her that she will be faithful to me, that she is for me, not against me. You know, a lot of times when marriages have trouble, that's the root. It's like you, you feel like uh, that something gets in between and that trust goes out the window and you, you, you don't know if that person is going to be for you or against you. And that's, that's, something, that's a problem. And, but thinking about our relationship with Jesus, he is for us. We can trust him. And he wants us uh, to grow in our love and faithfulness for him. Let us cons- verse 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Because actually, in this relationship, the bride is not just me, and it's not just you, but the bride is us together. And so there's the relationship between us as God's people is part of this uh, preparation. So, uh, spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, when there's a wedding, the bride is in that little room or that big room with a bunch of people helping her get ready, dressed, makeup, hair done, beautiful, get all beautiful. Um, we are to help one another prepare for our union with Christ. Oh, come let us adore him. First Chronicles 16.29 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Another translation says the beauty of his holiness. And uh, so many scriptures encourage us to worship the Lord. Because that's what adoring is. Adoring is worshiping. Sometimes we, we say we worship when we are led to, but that's, that's what it, adoring is. Worship him. And you worship him with song. Worship him with your thoughts about him. You know, sometimes I like to just, just look at Kathy. Just, she doesn't know I'm watching her. I just watch her and look at her and adore her beauty appreciate to appreciate i know she's not perfect but but to appreciate her beauty and uh and her abilities and you know not just the outward beauty but the inward beauty too and and we should do that about the lord 
That's worship. That's part of worship is just appreciating, paying attention. The Lord is calling us to draw near to him, to fix our gaze on him, to increasingly see and know him in all of his goodness, splendor, and holiness. Spend time worshiping him, talking to him, listening to him, meditating on his words and his deeds, remembering what he has done. Bring all kinds of offerings to him. It says, bring an offering. Because um, what we give to, what we invest to, we will increasingly love and be devoted to. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be excited about our Lord Jesus. For the day is soon approaching when we will be united with him in our eternal home. Amen? Amen. Let's just sing that song one more time, just in closing. Come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. Come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Father, we thank you. Uh, for your grace. We thank you that the, what we heard before, that we, we despised and rejected Jesus at one time, but you have wooed us back and that you have cleansed us from our sins and that you, we didn't realize what, what we had. We didn't realize the offer that was before us. Lord, we pray that you have mercy on us for the times we've been unfaithful, for the times we've been disinterested, preoccupied, and not preparing. Lord, help us to draw near to you more and more, to fix our eyes, our hearts, our thoughts on you, and help us to worship you. And Lord, be obedient to you, trusting that you are faithful. You are the one who makes us faithful. We thank you, we praise you, we look forward to the time that we will be with you, and it's not that far away, Lord. Bless your name. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.